Welcome to Support Heroes by Kaizo, the number one source of customer support insights in the world of audio. I'm your host, Sebastian. Each week on the show, we'll be having insightful conversations with customer support professionals from some of the most well-known and exciting companies around the world. If you're looking to forward your career in customer support, this is the place to learn from those who have succeeded in doing exactly that. Our superstar guests are at the ready to provide you the lessons they learned from many years on the front line of customer support. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy yet another episode of Support Heroes by Kaizo. Oleg, thank you so much for joining me. It's really nice to see you. Uh, it's really nice to chat. Um, before we get into the main topic of recruiting and things to, of that nature, um, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe introduce yourself to the listeners, and we'll get into a little bit about you, and then we can sort of move on to the main topics. Uh, yep, sure. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Oleg. Uh, I'm originally from Russia, and I've been doing customer support thing for over 11 years right now. Uh, I've been starting uh, at Microsoft call center uh, back in the day, supporting the users across Russia and CIS. Uh, also, I had a chance to work in cybersecurity, in data centers, uh, domain industry, uh, game development, mobile startups, and uh, ended up uh, my current uh, kind of like journey. I, I wouldn't say I'm ended up, but <laughs> you know, currently I, I'm working at Mira. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just in charge of the overall customer support. And, yeah, so far it's been a blast. Awesome. So you said you started at Microsoft. What role was that actually? Uh, it was kind of like a regular customer support agent job. So it mm-hmm. was uh, almost accidental. And um, I, I actually uh, didn't finish my higher education. And I, I was aiming to be a developer. But after first half of the year, I realized that I don't really like it. It's too boring for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started to looking for a job. And basically, all the things that I knew and all the skills that I have uh, were only about the troubleshooting, the computers, and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. just because of the fact that uh, I've been, you know, playing around with my own PC for quite a long time. So uh, and yeah, I just I just found the uh, uh, the open position and uh, tried to apply and everything just happened. And for the first time in my life, I've been working in the call center. For the first couple of uh, months, it was scary as shit. And <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it was, I mean, like, very stressful. I mean, like, I, I still remember how, uh, let's say, I'm I'm going back to, to home in, uh, in, in Subway. I'm you know, literally hearing the pieces of my conversations that I had uh, during the day, and I didn't have any chance to get rid of them. Maybe like for oh, yeah. the first half of the year. So yeah, I I, I still remember how like my, my hands were shaking, and uh, yeah, it was quite stressful. But yeah, I ended up with uh, being a senior uh, customer support rep, uh, maybe mm-hmm. like a, a year since I started. Uh, so I started to help uh, our team leads um, with uh, the onboarding of the new hires, workforce management, schedules, uh, checking the calls, uh, providing some quality assurance in place. And eventually I ended up being an interim team lead uh, there uh, just because of the oh. fact that we, uh, uh, like my manager just quit. So I was the only person 
who uh, who was just you know capable of doing that. Even though I didn't actually want to be a manager, I was also scared. Yeah, I, I actually wanted mm-hmm. to be uh, in charge of quality assurance. So I, I was mm-hmm. more about like um, helping people to achieve their best for the customer satisfaction. So this kind of thing was driving me uh, the most. Um, and yeah, I, I, I spent there around uh, two and a half years until we moved the contact mm-hmm. center to another city because of the lower costs. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, this was, I think, you know, very foundational experience for me. And um, yeah, I, I, I think the, this was just like the time when I realized what I want to do in, in the future. And when mm-hmm. I, I was stopping working at Microsoft, um, my ex-university folks uh, just finished the, their graduation and they, they didn't have any real experience and at the same time, in parallel, I already uh, had really clear understanding what I'm going to do in, in the future. Yeah, for sure. I think recognizing that there's different paths to success is really important, especially in the modern age, because I think a lot of people basically feel obliged to go to university, but there's definitely other ways to do it. Um, something I found interesting, actually, about the point you just made was that, you know, how do you feel now in retrospect um, that before you sort of went into the managerial role, you didn't really feel capable or like ready to go into it. Now, reflecting back on it, was, was were those sort of assumptions you had about yourself, were they correct? Was it more of just like a nervousness that you had about the responsibility? But, you know, maybe in retrospect, you realized you handled the responsibility very, very well. Because I think often in life, when something is new, it's quite daunting. But then when you look at it in retrospect, you can see, oh, I, I did have certain qualities that kind of led to my success that maybe I didn't recognize at the time. Well, uh, it's a tricky question and a good one. Uh, back in the day when I turned to be an intern team lead, I was only 20 years old. So uh, I don't think I was clearly understanding what is all about to be a people manager. And mm-hmm. um, I think I, I, I've lacked the onboarding, some proper training, proper mentoring and stuff. And just because of the fact that I was very experienced in the group and I had some sort of trust in the team. Uh, I, I was capable of uh, doing this job for quite a while. But um, mm-hmm. next time I turned to be a people manager was uh, around six years later. And I actually, I, I actually tried to find a team lead job uh, after Microsoft, but didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. And I actually you know, like this uh, fact in, in my uh, biography because... Uh, when I was 26, um, it was, you know, I, I had way more life experience to actually be able to lead other people, understand right. uh, what kind of qualities I need to have to be a successful manager, uh, and mm-hmm. being, you know, like more mature, uh, in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like, um, this was some sort of, you know, uh, wrong thing in my past. Uh, but still, I definitely wasn't ready for su- such a pivot. Um, mm. So, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I really like that I had the chance to work within different organizations, within different roles. I, I still uh, wasn't a, an agent. So I, I was more in some sort of, like, IC project management jobs uh, in uh, within the customer support departments. 
Sorry, what is that? IC project management. By by IC, I mean individual contributor uh, versus people mm-hmm. manager. And by project, oh, okay. by project manager, I meant that I helped the the teams to uh, do the great job, but I didn't mm-hmm. handle the uh, emails, the tickets, the questions, the uh, the phone calls and stuff. So, yeah. uh, for instance, uh, in my next job uh, in cybersecurity, uh, my role called service manager, and this was basically mm-hmm. kind of like Swiss knife type of job. So I've I've been doing uh, like everything, like the the onboarding, the uh, capacity management of the engineers, uh, like talking to the QA and developers to prioritize some uh, you know really critical customer uh, bugs or feature requests and stuff like that. So it was everything operational that uh, my manager, like head of the the support, delegated to me. Uh, mm-hmm. so it was also great experience to work cross-functionally way, way more than in, in Microsoft because in Microsoft, I was kind of like in the bubble of this contact yeah. center. Like, of course we, we used to talk to the sales folks, to the quality assurance folks and stuff, but I didn't have a chance to somehow connect to, let's say, uh, outlook developers. So it was like mm-hmm. long chain of escalation and stuff. So here I had more opportunity to understand how the whole business works. Uh, and mm-hmm. later on in uh, the next company, uh, I was in charge of co- in quality management. So I was mm-hmm. some sort of like internal expert for uh, around 70 uh, people in different customer service teams. And um, I developed the framework how to make those quality assurance check checks. And as far as I know, uh this this company is still using <laughs> my my oh, cool. my fruits of labor uh so it's it's kind of you know cool to know and of course uh it's somehow adjusted over time but still a, a good apl- accomplishment for myself um, yeah without a doubt yeah and and uh this was some sort of like th- those two roles i would say were some sort of preparation for myself to understand all the angles of the customer support job before being a like full full stack people manager, I would say. So mm. yeah, I, I think that this was very beneficial experience, and uh, at least I can you know compare the experience within small companies, bigger companies, uh, understand what kind of obstacles different teams could have, uh, how culture would be involved into all of those. So yeah, th- this this was really great experience. So I I really like that uh, my path to to the management was that long, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I really uh, appreciate uh, how how my whole you know journey went eventually. So yeah, I I don't have any kind of uh, any hard feelings about the fact that I I I hadn't uh, I hadn't chance to. Uh, turn to the team lead completely in my 20s. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely understand that. And I mean, also something that's very true is that you couldn't have gained all of that experience and been in the position that you were in had you just, for example, just gone to university, right? Like the experience actually working in the divisions and managing people, seeing people being managed was what allowed you to accelerate your career. Um, 
which I think is really, really pertinent because again, I think a lot of people feel compelled to go to university in order to get experience, but there are other ways to do it, right? Yeah, for um, sure. After you were a quality manager, then you moved to head of technical support, right? So then, yeah. I mean, what, within, what was it? Six years or so, you went straight to head of support. So that's, that's still a pretty rapid growth, is that not? Uh, depending on like how you would uh, treat the, the title, because I think the, the most challenging thing was that uh, suddenly I was in charge of a team of 15 people uh, with, without any uh, management layer between me. So I, I had some uh, chance to talk directly to all of them and work very closely to all of them. And I think, oh, okay. yeah, so I, I mean, like it, all, the, all, all of those title things, they're kind of um, uh, kind of tricky because uh, actually in Russia, uh, we usually use term head as for uh, just I don't know middle manager. So it would be mm-hmm. usually when when you see the title of head in in some Russian company, just because of the fact that we don't have that much uh, you know big organizations, you would usually treat head as some sort of like team lead rather than Understood. Uh, okay. rather than I don't know VP level or something like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. From one hand, uh, I suddenly started to manage 15 people right away, uh, and I didn't have experience of managing uh, that much people uh, before working with them as an IC. So let's say in Microsoft, the whole team was around 18 people uh, divided mm-hmm. by, by two teams. Uh, eventually, it uh, shrank to around maybe like 10 people. Uh, as, okay. soon as, as, as soon as we started to move in the contact center to another city, uh, but uh, now I needed to, you know, very quickly build the rapport with uh, my uh, direct reports, and this was really challenging because um, we didn't have. Uh, I mean, like they, they uh, as a team, didn't have any direct manager for half of the year, and the problem that they had is that uh, they didn't have anyone to protect them. So basically, if uh, you as a company have an incident, for some reason, technical support is in charge of that. Some, for some reason, they are guilty that this incident actually happened. So uh, the, mm. the, the, it was kind of like toxic environment because uh, people were you know, literally yelling on the technical support in Slack. Uh, and then my uh, ex-manager joined the company and uh, the, the leadership of, of this company said to him like, okay, if you go into handle your test like trial period for three months, then we are going to promote you to the director of the uh, customer service, which means he uh, would be able to uh, manage uh, the organization around 50 people divided by several teams. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, he was initially uh, headed towards some um, more kind of like global cross-functional projects rather than thinking about the health of the team. So eventually, uh, three months later, uh, when I joined, uh, nobody in the team believed that if this person who uh, wasn't really caring about them uh, hired myself, uh, they, they didn't believe the that... Same. Yeah, they, they didn't believe that I would do something differently. And the problem mm-hmm. that I had for the first, I think, two months is that when I tried to get some feedback about what kind of problems my team has and how can I help, actually, uh, I, I usually had some sort of like, we, we're doing okay. We, we don't have anything comes to 
you know our mind and stuff so i mean like i i was completely you know um disoriented uh to understand like okay what kind of action plan should, should i have to actually uh ha have some results in place and also it was yeah very challenging because i moved from moscow to st petersburg uh and you know for the first time in my life i uh i was totally alone uh in like another city and uh i i also had my mortgage started so <laughs> i had oh, pl no. pl plenty of uh stress factors but eventually yeah um uh, i think the the ice started melting when uh, I mean, like I, I, uh, I'm more about working in later hours rather than uh, being mm -hmm. an early bird. So at some point, mm -hmm. I was uh, at at our office, and um, we we had only two people, uh, like in 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 the whole office. It was uh, myself mm -hmm. and one of my uh, technical support engineers, and I think it was around. Mm -hmm uh 11 in the evening and uh we just you know started some i don't know small talks and stuff and then eventually he just you know uh, he just bloated me with all all of his concerns all of these obstacles and stuff so he shared with with me so many uh so many challenges that the whole team is experiencing right now that the next day I I was you know uh, tried to I, I tried to set up a meeting with the HR director and uh, my manager uh, as soon as they as, as I can and uh, they actually initially thought that I'm going to quit because because like uh, I didn't share any context. So many to do. No no uh, because uh, I I didn't share any context. I said like I need you two guys uh, right here and right now as soon as possible. Let's let's go to find mm -hmm. some room. So they thought that I'm going to quit just because I mean, like, oh yeah, I, I found some new opportunities. Yeah, just because I didn't, I I didn't want to share that much context in you know like in the open space. Uh, but mm -hmm. eventually, mm -hmm. when I uh, shared like what kind of obstacles the team has, uh, and proposed some some plan uh, for the next couple of months, uh, I, I I started to build this kind of relationship. For instance. Uh, yeah. I, I agreed with all the folks, all the heads of other departments, all the, I don't know, product managers that if you have any feedback about my team, please share it with me directly. Not, not go yeah. into Slack, like, and make, make these kind of like, uh, shitty phrases, uh, in public. Uh, and I yeah. also asked the same, uh, from my team, let's say like, if you have any feedback about, uh, this particular bug or this particular feature, please share it with me. I, 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 yeah, I will do my best to address it. So uh, I mm -hmm. was some sort of like clear between my team and other teams, which I, I found, you know, pretty basic stuff. But this was very helpful because people started to think that I'm actually on their side. I'm actually, you right. know, in charge of helping them. And then mm -hmm. we, we also bought plenty of uh, new laptops for them because, uh, before they had very slow machines. Uh, we also uh, readjusted the KPI model. We also readjusted the shifts. Uh, we uh, provided some uh, benefits and stuff. So uh, in in the matter of a couple of months, uh, I, I really had strong respect from, from my team. And that was kind of foundational experience of like how, how you need to uh, act as just joining the the new team 
So yeah. uh, and and also uh, some of the folks they were working there for like three four years without any progress and obviously they were mm. burned out they weren't really interested in uh, actually serving the customers and to be honest some of them were not really a good fit for uh, for the role of technical support engineer and my, and mm. I, I I really did uh, a, a quick job in terms of switching them to different roles in other departments like DevOps engineers, network engineers, uh, Linux administrators and stuff, uh, and, and mm-hmm. just hired some fresh blood. Uh, and those folks were really, you know, they, they had, uh, how do you, do you call it, like fire in the belly? So they had some excitement about the role, uh, about like the opportunities. And uh, that's how I actually improved the overall like customer satisfaction so yeah th- this was very interesting experience and like uh in the course of one year i've changed lots of things and eventually uh i had a chance either to you know uh be in some sort of uh kind of like steady mode and not stressed out and have my uh paychecks on regular basis or uh, I also had an opportunity to uh, had the new managed services, which I uh, mm-hmm. uh, rebuilt from almost from scratch. Uh, but I, I wasn't really uh, intrigued intrigued by by doing that. Uh, so um, I mean, like I I I, I really enjoyed uh, finding the business opportunity because, like previously, we had some sort of like paid system administration uh, from time to time. But it wasn't really mm-hmm. scalable. We didn't have any business model in place and stuff. So I converted the whole thing to some sort of insurance model when we just have the subscription, monthly subscription. Uh, and we make sure that uh, we uh, act as some sort of uh, outsourced support for the organizations. Let's say uh, mm-hmm. if people want to uh, use our data center for their instances, like I know website, then we can propose them to uh, get rid of the headache about supporting this instance. So we did all right. the monitoring, all the priority tech support and stuff like that. And uh, I, I actually found a few like new customers, generated some uh, new revenue and stuff. Uh, but the thing that was frustrating to me is that uh, while I was good in terms of like understanding the business side and selling it, uh, I felt like I'm, you know, not really true to myself because uh, I didn't have the same hard skills as my team had because, like, their knowledge was very deep, like, close to DevOps level and stuff. Uh, and, uh, I mean, like, I, I definitely had a chance to, I don't know, uh, investigate all of this and learn more on the weekends and stuff, but I wasn't really interested in that. So, uh, mm-hmm. and and... I mean, like, I, I was more about, like, understanding the how we can improve the experience of our customers rather than getting into, into, you know, tech details of, like, how we, we can do that. So, well, you uh, always need, like, a mix of people, right? I think um, something that I really appreciate about that whole story, just to cut in, um, is really kind of how when you came into this company your team was a little bit suspicious of you, right? Because of their prior experiences. And mm-hmm. I really feel as though you turned around that ship, right? And I think that a lot of listeners will hear that and find that very motivating because from the perspective of the employees, you know, that can change your perspective of, you know, your manager or the new person coming in. But also from your perspective, I think that 
you know, it kind of clearly illustrates that if you just try and empathize with your employees the same way that you would empathize with your customers, right? Mm -hmm. Because we are talking about customer support. Um, you can make huge strides. And I think it's not, it's not that complicated when you take a very human perspective, right? For and sure. I think that's kind of what your story illustrated. And what I really appreciated also about the way you told the story was, you know, how honest you were. And then the thing is, is I can put yourself in, in, I can put myself in your shoes. In that instance, you had like a lot riding on this job and you came in and it seemed as though things were kind of rocky and, and things, you know, were pretty difficult. And that must have taken a lot of resilience in that situation. But oh, yeah. it sounds as though you really, truly succeeded because you, I think you championed the same values that you've spoken to me about before, um, before the podcast and also values that, you know, we kind of can expand on when we talk about hiring and building culture in general. But I, I really applaud you for that, Oleg, genuinely. Just from, from man to man, I, I really respect that a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not uh, compliments in vain. It's, it's coming from the heart for sure, without a doubt. Wow. Um, so I guess, you know, I think this is a really good segue, actually, because something that you one of the first things you said to me when we began talking about this episode was happy support staff means happy customers. Right. And sure. I don't think there's any better way to put it. Right. Because at the end of the day, uh, support agents performance is really based on the way that they interact with customers. So if they if they don't feel good, if they're being mismanaged, if they don't, don't feel comfortable and confident then they're not going to be able to translate that into um, their approach to the customer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, like in, in, this, uh, in this company where I uh, joined as a head of technical support, uh, once again, the, like, the requirements for the hard skills uh, were you know, very tough. And uh, basically on the interviews, uh, I've had so many brilliant minds uh, on the pipeline uh, which potentially could be, I don't know, great uh, network engineers, great software engineers and stuff like that. But uh, when I've heard everything about their aspirations, like, I don't know, getting into deeds about the, like, the Linux uh, operating system and stuff, uh, I was trying to challenge them about like, the customer relations. And my question was like, okay, uh, I, I got everything that you said, like, but what about like talking to customers? Uh, and mm. usually I've heard answer like, this is not a problem for me. And uh, I've heard that phrase uh, that often that at some point this was some sort of like red flag for me because I don't mm. want to have people on the team who, uh, who, you know, like just don't have any problems with uh, talking to customers. I want to have people who actually can't live without you know helping other people you know and yeah. uh, i think the the most powerful example would be when i uh, hired one one folk and mm -hmm. he obviously was way below the the benchmark from the technical skills perspective uh and mm -hmm. before joining uh this company he he was doing some sort of like any key uh, system administration job, which means that he was trying to employ himself and go into, I don't know, like older generation to help them with like, uh, I don't know, system optimization, uh, antivirus and stuff like that. Uh, and he, mm -hmm. he, he wanted to grow as an expert. And um, mm -hmm. he was totally different from the profiles that I, I've seen in my previous interviews. And uh he he was you know like as as I described to uh, to my manager uh, back in the day I say like 
them. He, his song is too beautiful. I'm not sure if I if I'm believing him because you know he was yeah. he was totally a different type of person. Um, like and too good to be true, almost. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So he he wasn't that kind of like tech geek, but he was more about mm -hmm. you know the really empathetic, uh, having really good communication skills and stuff like that. And uh, we even had twice more interviews uh, with him than on average. Uh, and I, I even asked my uh, our HR director to challenge him like, okay, we have also uh, the sales position open. Uh, like, would you like to join? Because your communication skills are great and stuff. And he said, no, I want to support the customers. I want to help people. And uh, we, we just tried to, you know, gamble on that and understand like, okay, let's give it a try. Let's, let's see how it goes. And uh, half of the year later, since he joined, uh, he was one of the best technical support engineers. So he excelled the expectations for the technical skills. He onboarded very fast. Wow. Uh, as soon as I um, quit the company, he, about the same time, he went to a senior uh, engineer. And uh, last year in the summer, when I uh, was in, in the office of this company, uh, being a, uh, like I, I, I was uh, invited to be a speaker at the conference. Uh, and mm -hmm. I've just asked, like, okay, how Sergey is doing? And they, they actually say that he progressed even further to assistant administrator of one of, our, of, uh, of the services, which means that, say. yeah. Uh, the, I mean, like the, the, the whole thing uh, is that if you're a really great specialist, it doesn't mean that you're a great person. But if you're a great person, mm -hmm. you can easily like excel and be a great specialist. So right, that, that's, right. that's why I'm looking for uh, rather personalities uh, mm -hmm. than, I don't know, some tech uh, toxic geeks, let's say. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like you, you, you can have, I think it was from, from Facebook when they pointed out to um, how they, they call them, like great jerks or something like that. I mean, like the, the, the folks mm -hmm. that are really, really uh, brilliant, they, they are really on top of their things, but they are too toxic. They are not really great oh, yeah. persons. So, um, yeah, I, th I think this is a really powerful example. And I have one more. Um, on, uh, during like my uh, next challenge uh, in game development industry, um, obviously, like when you're talking about game development, uh, you usually uh, deal with the profiles like 20 to 25 years old folks who are you know really keen about the gaming, so they're gamers themselves and stuff. Uh, but at some point, I, I've had a lady on the interview who uh, was around, I think. 33 years old, which was kind of mm -hmm. like above uh, our benchmark. I usually uh, check the, the folks under 30. Uh, and like, no, no offense there, but it's kind of like a rule of thumb that uh, worked in, in the industry. So, uh, so that generation grew up with yeah, games, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So she, she was actually mom of two kids. <laughs> so this mm -hmm. was like very, you know, different type of profile. But the way what how... What do you mean, Oleg? That's a classic gamer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, so uh, eventually then uh, w when I received her test task, she was so brilliant in going extra mile for, for the players that I was just, yeah. you know, very excited to uh, have her uh, as a part of the team. 
and um yeah she, she she just joined and she killed it i mean like she she was the best uh employee at this company like in in my wow. team and this was very you know powerful example when you know you just need to have people who are excited about both the the role and the the company like in like in yeah. scenario uh so this kind of like combination when you can cross the aspirations of your potential uh, employee uh, with your own vision and mission, then you can just have the greatest result. As a manager, you don't need to spend that much time on the onboarding, on uh, getting the results in place and stuff. So, Mm. you know, it's just like your own investment in the the hiring would be returned as uh, less uh, things to do as a manager as soon as you, you have this employee. Well, there's quite a profound statement to be made about humanity in that, right? It's that if someone is motivated, it doesn't really matter what sort of skills and what category you would fit them into because, you know, it's been my belief for for much of my life that human brains are so moldable, they're so plastic, that I think if someone's motivated, they can do just about anything. They can learn just about anything because really it comes down to time, energy, and attention, you know? And I think that's what these two examples really illustrate. And especially, it's especially pertinent because the two examples you gave were in technical support. And by God, you know, just hearing some of the jargon that you were using, it sounds very technical. Um, And then, you know, someone in game game design supporting gamers and players um, that isn't necessarily from the generation that that they're engaging with. And I just think it it really illustrates some sort of intrinsic... um, value in having just a particular mind and intrinsic motivation right and i think this is also really pertinent because we're talking about hiring and we're talking about creating culture and i think that what you've kind of clearly illustrated to me is that perhaps sometimes people's priorities are a little skewed and it seems to me that you were just as surprised as i was to hear this um at the time right you perhaps didn't expect these people to excel quite as much as they did but now in retrospect you know with the way that you hire and you deal um with new hires at miro is this kind of now at the forefront of your strategy like is this really the ideal type that you're looking for now have you kind of done away with the prior assumptions that you had um that's a good question uh and to be honest uh i didn't have doubts in those uh people when i i've seen how the how good they are on on the interview stages. So I had really strong belief that they would excel, and this is what happened. So uh, I, I can name ju- just a few uh, examples when my bet my bets didn't work out really, uh, mm-hmm. and this is I I think uh, just because of uh, like I I didn't have that much experience in that time in in hiring. Uh, but you know in in when we're talking about those particular examples. I had really strong belief that th- th- these people are just brilliant, and uh, right. yeah, and just I, I just tried to support them uh, on, on their journey. Uh, but on mm-hmm. the other hand, uh, getting back to your conclusion that uh, you know people can get to anything if they want to, they can uh, learn anything and stuff. And from one hand, it's definitely true. Like if if you have a real desire, you you definitely go into excel on that. Um, Mm -hmm. but from the other hand, you also need to deal with the business requirements. And let's say, uh, I, I can potentially have, uh, really great candidates 
on the pipeline in Russia, but they don't speak English. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to uh, invite them in the company and wait until they right. learn English in in a year or right. even longer, uh, because like currently. Uh, the communication both like outside, uh, I mean, like with the customers and inside with the employees, with the colleagues, uh, is happening like 90% of the cases in, in English. So uh, right. I would say that this kind of approach of uh, thinking of the, you know, really excited people joining in your team, it's definitely true. But first of all, you need to uh, understand your like minimum threshold uh, for mm-hmm. for the specific role, because obviously uh, we like as for the like customer support job, uh, we we've hired lots of people who were like literally unfamiliar with tech at all. So we we mm-hmm. we've had I think three people join or even more from the hotel industry. We have one translator from another city who who's been working in gas uh, and oil industry. Uh, we we have uh, some people who were tutoring before joining the support, uh, and and they are you know they are really good in 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 their job. But when we are talking about technical support engineers, uh, we we need to have some particular knowledge, particular particular hard skills, so they they can you know be successful in, in their roles. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but in general, if we are talking about like my whole approach, I would say that. I'm looking for two core things. Uh, first one is, uh, as you can imagine, empathy. Uh, as I said, I really want to see people who are, you know, excited about helping people. And actually, it would be great if they can share their experiences from their, like, from their lives when uh, nobody asked them, but they helped someone for some reason. Those those yes. kind of examples they are really powerful. And if you are Talking about uh, talking with some real, uh, really empathetic person, uh, this person would definitely, uh, you know, in a matter of seconds, share several examples how this happened. Let's say in in last uh, couple of months. So um, mm. yeah, and uh, I, I definitely can challenge people from different sides on the their empathetic side. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, other thing that would be. Uh, beneficial is how I call it problem solving mindset. Uh, and yeah. th- th- this one is kind of like complementary to the empathy. So if you have only one piece, uh, it doesn't really work, I would say, because, uh, you know, you, you can have really brilliant people, like really brilliant, uh, problem solvers who, who don't, who, who don't work, want to work with uh, the customers. And I had such an yeah. example in my past, and uh, in, in this uh, data center company uh, where I was uh, heading the technical support team, I, I had this type of person once, but I've, I've uh, promoted him to uh, an internal project manager. And he was doing a really great job. I mean, like he was definitely a strong problem solver and operator. So this was beneficial. But when you are looking for the person who would be a, um, you know, talking to customers on a day-to-day basis, you don't mm-hmm. need to on, only a person who, you know, just pleasant person to talk to, but you also need to have a person who would be constantly thinking like, okay, how you can localize the issue? Like, is it something that happens in one browser or it happens in uh, different browsers? Uh, comparing with like Mira, is, is it something that happens to all the boards 
or it's only with one board? Is it happens with the whole account? Does uh, do your colleagues experience the same thing? Where exactly uh, does it happen? Like and stuff like that. And also pre- yeah. preparing some really customer centric uh, workarounds, like how we can understand how we can help you. And it's all about like uh, understanding the final goal that would be valuable to the customer. And only then figuring out like, okay, if you actually have those tools to get like from point A to point B. So uh, yeah, the, the combination of both empathy and problem, problem solving mindset uh, are key, key things to me uh, because like mm-hmm. ob- obviously uh, Mira as a product uh, is not that complex, at least from the first glance, I would say that it's getting more and more complex uh as 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 it's uh you know it developing to the enterprise market let's say and being more like a platform rather than just a regular uh, product but still you know basically the only hard skill that we still need is uh the the english uh language and all the rest is about the the mindset and the the aspirations interesting so i think something like a, another aspect that I've spoken to people about with regard to um, hiring and things to, uh, of this nature is, you know, and many people have said this to me, when you come to peak times, right, when it's kind of crunch time and you really need people or you realize you're understaffed, um, quite often hiring is like the first thing that people make compromises on. And I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about this issue, right? Because, you know, if you hire purely based on costs, um, it's not going to it's not going to garner the, the best results, right? Like playing a pure numbers game just generates worse results overall. But in the event that you do have to sort of make compromises, like how would you advise people to navigate that issue? I mean, obviously, it's it's good to not get yourself in that position in the first place, um, which is usually the result of good planning. Um, but as with many things in life, quite often people don't have that planning beforehand and they only realize they need to do better planning when shit hits the fan, right? <laughs> oh, so yeah. what would you kind of, <laughs> yeah, that's just the way our brains work. Unfortunately, <laughs> we could talk about the psychology of that, but yeah, that's yeah. just the way it is. Um, so, what would you advise to those people then? Like, how do they navigate that situation? If you drop yourself in that situation where, oh, I realized I'm understaffed, I need to get more people on, I can't fulfill these checklists that we've been yeah. speaking about over the course of the episode. Yeah, what what would you do? Uh, I actually, in this situation currently, since March, since the 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 COVID hit. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, ju- just because of the fact that uh, our product became way more popular. I mean, like we were growing uh, X-free uh, around three or four years in a row uh, from from mm-hmm. the user base perspective, uh, and it 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 even accelerated uh, since March. And uh, for instance, uh, on on rare, uh, on average, we had around uh, six to eight hundred tickets a week uh, as a support team. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we are currently having around one thousand six hundred, or even okay. even two thousand a week. More than double. Yeah, and and uh, this is even though that we uh, outsourced some 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 parts of of the questions because one of mm-hmm. the things that we uh, we figured out quite fast is that uh, with uh, the COVID situation. Uh, we we've seen really huge uplift in the educational side of the business, and basically, uh, Miro provides uh, free educational licenses if you if you're just eligible to to do that. And uh, like maybe uh, like before COVID, we maybe had around 100 applications a month, 
And now we're having around two or 2,500 applications a week. Whoa. A week. Oh my Lord, a week. Yeah. So, and just because of the fact that, um, you know, you just need to do a few things in internal admin panel and send a, a macro, this is not something where you can see, you know, this kind of uh, like uh, decrease of the quality. Uh, so, we were right. able to outsource that and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our partners doing really great job. And yeah. Um, so, but when we're talking about like expanding the team, because we have the uplift in, in the overall like workload, uh, I would zoom out a bit and step back, uh, to understand like, okay, what is actually driving those kind of changes? Do we, I mean, like sure. the, the, the whole approach of expanding the team uh, just according to the overall growth doesn't really make sense uh, if you, if it's like the only tool. Uh, you, you also need to understand like uh, what kind of questions do you actually have? Uh, like why do you receive particular tickets, uh, I don't know, phone calls, depending on what kind of channels do you support? Uh, like how you can ease up all of those things. And uh, eventually, like best support is no support. If you have really, you know, great product, uh, then you, would, you wouldn't you would need any any support at all. But in reality, <laughs> we do have. And uh, just because of the fact that, you know, we can't really spend that much time on like perfectioning the, the product, of course, we always would need to have some support personnel to handle the requests. But I think the most powerful Think that any customer support team can do is actually shape the product roadmap just by sharing the insights of like what kind of obstacles uh, customers are facing. Because when you are a product manager or a marketing manager, you are conducting the interviews, uh, doing your research and stuff, you are working at some sort of like vacuum, I would say. And when mm-hmm. you are dealing with uh, the customer support requests, you're dealing with the most candid feedback that you can ever get. Yes, so, uh, very candid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you as a support leaders, uh, we, we just need to make sure that we have really great relationships with the engineering and product functions to be able to, uh, you know, impact the, the roadmap uh, to make sure that, you know, this, this whole thing does make sense and you don't grow the, the team, the support team, just like in like hundreds uh, every, every quarter, uh, just because of the fact that you receive way more tickets. You definitely can deflect them. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and uh, if, if you ca- can't really make any progress on the product, you also can have uh, different solutions in place. You can either uh, improve their productivity with the internal things like internal tools. You can outsource some stuff. You can also proactively share the knowledge with your customers, like either through the help center or maybe you record the videos in the academy or maybe your uh, product marketing team uh, don't recognize some signals to improve, let's say, pricing page. So those kind of uh, things are really helpful in terms of deflecting uh, the tickets and uh, you, you just need to you know, really dig deeper in understanding what kind of pain points uh, our customers have and uh, how to eliminate them at all. So, yeah, I, I, I would say that uh, 
I wish myself to do this kind of analysis uh, way earlier than in March, uh, retro, like uh, reactively, uh, because you know, like well, you didn't know there was going to be a global pandemic, or like let's be fair. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like when I was battling with my manager about the headcount for this year, I actually didn't have this detailization of like what kind of uh, requests do we receive and why we receive them and how we mm. can potentially deflect them. Maybe we can uh, cut the support of free users or maybe we can uh, change the, the visibility of the support team and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I, th- this is kind of, you know, hard, uh, hard uh, tough experience that you you can get uh, working uh, in, you know, in, in some with, with some real problems. But um, yeah, yeah. W- when I'm when I'm advising other uh, other leaders, other support leaders right now, I, I, I definitely empathize uh, their you know their attention on understanding the trends, understanding the patterns, and trying to work retroactively on those kind of buckets but not to you know just expanding the team as uh, you know in using the only, the only tool yeah that's really interesting right because it's like anything but compromising on your hiring requirements or hiring needs for sure you know? and yeah. i think if i were to read that back to you it's it's about understanding and prioritizing different tickets and issues of customers and perhaps segmenting the tickets that are coming in to try and you know more efficiently deal with them and then second to that is understanding the root causes of certain issues. Oh, yeah. If you're getting many, many tickets coming in about certain things, it's probably easier to solve the root cause than to try and adjust your support strategy to deal with that. Yeah. Um, I know this is hard to believe, Oleg, but we've almost done 50 minutes. <laughs> it's actually flown by. And I, honestly, I have so many more things to ask you, so you'll have to come back. But um, usually at this point in the show, I like to open it up to the guest and to say, is there anything you'd really like to leave the listeners with or something that you'd like to hit on that we haven't hit on yet? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, during this whole conversation, uh, we constantly touched base on the people aspect, on the empathy aspect, on like mm-hmm. understanding, uh, how, how, you know, how you can hire really great people, how you can retain them, how you can also, you know, understand your customers and empathize them as well. And, um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's worth sharing one of my recent cases uh, that was kind of new and unexpected to me. And uh, like we, we recently had really great candidate on the pipeline. And this person had an expertise in support for maybe a year or, or so. And uh, this person had kind of the same environment from the you know, business perspective. So she worked with the product and engineering teams and stuff. So on the paper, it looked like really perfect fit. And the test task was amazing. And um, and also the first interview was great. But when I tried to, you know, understand her motivation, I, I've asked her really deep questions like why, uh, why she made some specific decisions in, in her past and like what kind of career aspirations she she has or like what kind of stuff you you would do if you i don't know win the lottery and you already uh travel the the whole world to you know w- what kind of duties or like what kind of work you would do every day that you are 
going to be happy and really proud of the things that you are doing and like not watching the clock and just doing because you really love it. And um, everything went uh, really well. But several days after this person came back with, uh, with an uh, email uh, saying that, uh, like, hey, uh, thanks, thanks a lot for, for the interview. Uh, you know, uh, like the the conversation with Oleg was very valuable, and uh, he asked uh, such such deep questions that I mean, uh, she, she she started reflecting on her past decisions, and she understood that she uh, doesn't want to be uh, in support anymore. And I had kind of like oh. me, I had kinda, oh, no. yeah, I had kind of like mixed feelings. Like from one hand, we lost really great candidate on the pipeline. And from the other hand, uh, I felt like it's kind of like compliment to my interviewing skills. And uh, I think yeah, definitely. I, I, I hope this is for the better for both parties. Uh, but basically, this is kind of like a really powerful example of like how you can work as a, an interviewer and succeed even, even though you don't hire some specific people. So I know that I've made it as a podcaster if after someone does a podcast with me, they change career paths and reevaluate their entire life, right? Yeah. You basically gave her an ultimatum, Oleg, without even realizing it. I know. <laughs> a little bit bittersweet for you, I can imagine, but for me, very funny. And um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's interesting because, you know, maybe a point to leave on is that there are many ways to motivate oneself to do certain things. You know, if you want to look at one such example would be um, uh, Michael Jordan, if you watch the Netflix documentary. Um, there's many different ways one can empower oneself to achieve great things. And I think, you know, it's really important as a recruiter and as someone who's bringing people into a company to understand people's motivations, but also as an individual to understand your own motivations and to make sure that they're positive and that they steer you towards something that's ultimately good for you. Because perhaps, you know, let's be real for a second, if something as simple as an, a deep conversation could make that individual uh, reevaluate her life, then perhaps at some point along the road, had you hired her, she might have had these same realizations after you invested a lot of time and energy into integrating her yeah. into um, into your team. So perhaps you saved yourself and the company a lot of work, although I totally understand at the time it was probably bittersweet. Um, Oleg, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I applaud your honesty um, and you're very eloquent. So yeah, I really enjoyed this and thank you for coming. Well, yeah, I it, it was kind of like my first uh, initial experience, like uh, participating in the post podcast. So uh, it was really great, and I, I also enjoyed the the conversation. So I, I definitely recognize that those like fifty plus minutes went really smoothly, and uh, I didn't recognize like how it all happened. So I I can applaud. I'm here. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, I, I can applaud you as well as a great, you know, like facilitator. So thanks a lot for having me today. And yeah, seems like we, we need to have another episode. We definitely will, without a doubt. Thank you very much, Oleg. Goodbye, okay. everyone. Have a great day. See you later. Bye. This podcast is made possible by Kaizo. Kaizo is a performance management platform that helps customer support teams be more productive and engaged. If you're a Zendesk user, go to kaizo.com and book a demo today.